Welcome to another instalment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Now, today I've got an amazing panel with me and we're going to be discussing a very important topic of how to grow your team effectively and efficiently. Bit of a tongue twister when you try and say that one quickly, so let's try and uh, see how it goes. Now, this topic is really important and personally, I know a lot of hiring managers ask themselves this when coming to grow a team. So I'm excited to have some real thought leaders on this topic to dig into it a little bit deeper. Now, let's introduce the panel today. So for introductions, we're going to go to going to go through what you who you are, what you do and also what you're passionate about. And Emmanuel will come to you first. Thank you very much. My name is Emmanuel uh, and I'm head of technology at a company called Sportality, uh, which develops uh, uh, technical solutions for sports teams and sports leagues. Um, And I'm passionate about, uh, within my role at work, I'm passionate about uh, helping others uh, succeed and uh, helping others get better at, at the things they enjoy doing, which uh, in my case uh, quite often is uh, development uh, and uh, working as developers. Um, And when not working, I'm quite passionate about mountain biking as well. Oh, nice, nice. I think that's a good passion to have with the role you do. Obviously, you can uh, help a lot of people. Nice. And Kajidun, we'll come to you. Yeah, Uh, my name is Kajidun and uh... I work with Sendify in Gothenburg, Sweden, as an engineering manager. And I uh, am generally curious about ways of um, discovering ways of, you know, working smarter. And uh, so, so I believe that uh, somewhere along uh, the line, uh, maybe uh, near the age of 24, 25, um, we we begin losing a lot more brain cells than we can uh, generate. <laughs> like uh, the rates are, uh, you know, they they continue to go the opposite way uh, through the biological process of aging, and uh, which means that we are not getting smarter through through aging, right? And uh, that means that we have to discover uh, new tools and processes that help us to work smarter because we are not naturally getting smarter. Um, and with that curiosity, I am um, on this podcast today to discover uh, a few uh, good tips and tricks through the panel. Oh, nice. I love that. I definitely agree. I think I have to write a lot more things down that I can't remember now than I used to be able to. Brilliant. And Sergey, we'll come over to you for your introduction. Yes. Hi, everyone. I'm Sergey Bilakon. I'm engineering manager uh, in Easy Park, uh, working from Stockholm. Basically, I'm helping my company to make cities more livable and started <laughs> from parking. Uh, yeah, I, I'm passionate uh, also about some stuff related to two wheels, like Emmanuel. But uh, motorcycles, uh, yeah, but when it comes to work, I really like uh, to cooperate with enterprise company. And part of uh, their way is constant growing. And this is why I found that uh, the subject that we are going to discuss today is an important part of uh, my daily job and the things that I'm interested in. Brilliant. 
Brilliant, thank you. Um, yeah, I think we've got a very good panel and I know you're all kind of eager to, to share ideas and thoughts. So let's get straight into the questions or subtopics that we've we've pre-decided. Um, so first of all, such a good question to start with, which is yours, Kajitan, which is what does being effective slash efficient mean? And also what characteristics should a team display to be termed as effective and efficient? So tell us more about that. Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, yeah, I thought it would be uh, good to establish common ground uh, before we get deeper. And there's so much to unwrap in in that question. It's really like a loaded question because um, if you take it word by word, like efficient team or effective team, um, first of all, what is a team, right? What do you define as a team? And then once you have established uh, the, uh, the parameters that form a team, how do you establish uh, efficiency or or effectiveness for that team what do you mean by that because there's a there's a whole bunch of teams and and the nature and their nature differs quite a lot so for example like a uh, a team working on uh, a cryptocurrency hedge fund is very different from a team of elite navy seals is very different from a team of uh, football players and they're all teams and they all need to be effective or efficient or whatever other adjective you want to attribute to them. Um, so there has to be some substrata or substructures under these deferring nature of teams that, that we can somehow uncover and uh, leverage to to get effectiveness in our own context, to get to be efficient in our own context. So, so there's there's a few things that are very context dependent, and there's other things that somehow lie beneath all of these differing teams. And uh, I'm I'm curious to know how the other members of the panel see this. Yeah, from from my side, I uh, I actually tried to dive into this a bit and and found a nice uh, um, description of of how to contrast efficiency and effectiveness effectiveness against each other. Um, and uh, the the description I found was from from a guy called Peter Drucker uh, who wrote a a, bo a book about uh, the the effective executive. Um, actually and he put it uh, a way that effectiveness is doing the right things while efficiency is doing things right uh, so uh, and I've, i that's that really sounded like oh yeah that's uh, that's pretty much the point uh, so I, I guess that you can be both uh, effective and efficient um, if you do the right things the right way, <laughs> which surely isn't the, the easiest all the time. Um, but that, that, that was um, a definition of it that I thought was quite, quite interesting. Yeah, I also started to explore it from uh, looking for the basic uh, definitions of all this stuff, because uh, when it comes to analyzing the 
pronunciation of uh, of this. I'm not the native speaker of uh, English, and for me, originally those words are quite close to each other. But then when you have a look uh, inside yeah. and see what is the actual difference, yeah, I think that uh, this is definitely something that uh, can uh, work side by side uh, to be like a two parallel dimensions of uh, measuring the good team and the team performance overall. And yes, I'm uh, totally with you guys on that. Yeah, it's uh, one one direction that I was pulled in when I uh, first began to, um, you know, read up on, on these things um, a few uh, months ago when I uh, took on the mantle of uh, engineering manager at my employer. Um, uh, just like you said, you know, the, uh, Sergei, the, these adjectives seem uh, quite close to each other uh, and it gets confusing even more when you, when you throw in things like functional, right, and, and flow and, and all of these other things. So, um, so what I instead sought to do then is to try and understand what what a team is and what an organization is because if you've spent enough time in a team or with a team or with a bunch of people you you quickly see then um, that the attributes exhibited by the individual members may or may not be the same as exhibited by the whole team um, in as as a unit so the uh, the the team is it seems to be a different organism than its substituent members. And, and so I explored a little bit more and it seems that this is, uh, this is also in literature, it's, it's, a, it's an established, um, how would you say, it's an idea, it's an established idea that the organization, so it's not a mechanistic and linear system, it's an adaptive organism, right? And, um, and as people come and go and leave and enter this uh, this structure, uh, it's always in flux. And the the characteristics of this entity keep evolving, keep changing. Um, and it's very interesting because some members exhibit some characteristics at the workplace and they don't transfer their learnings from that context to say, for example, their personal lives. Right? So I've, I've had some friends in the past who, who were, uh, you know, uh, maybe at uh, leadership positions at their employer and in casual conversation, when, when you, when you speak to them about a, hey, you know, how's life going and, and things like that. And then, then uh, one thing leads to another and then you discover that they're having problems in in their family, for example, and you would you would imagine that them being a very effective leader or a manager at their workplace, they would transfer those learnings from there to to every other context they are in, right? Um, but that doesn't happen. So what that means is that us, like we individuals, um, tend to behave very differently in different contexts, and that also complicates. Uh, our view of what a team is and what an organization is, um, and then juxtapose that with the individual. So, um, so I think like um, 
you know uh, one of the things that you uh, that you mentioned was uh, uh, measuring the effectiveness and efficiency of uh, of teams and um, and of course everybody who's maybe uh, been in a in a team lead position or or, or like a leadership position um, has inevitably faced the question of how to measure how to improve and and measure the improvements over time etc and and there you can go into a wide variety of uh, how you measure things right so um, depends on on the context of course but uh, yeah you can talk about lead times and cycle times and and, and this and that and throughput etc um, but what has stood out for me um, over over time uh, a good indicator of what an efficient a functional effective team is that everybody in the team wants to be a part of the team they want to perform as part of the team and they want to enjoy with the team doing their work with the team right so this and it's not it's not a given right like it's not it's not for everybody because a, a functional team would also know when to make adjustments right? so they would they would know that uh there's there's someone that is not in the right position and then they need to be put in the right position uh in the right role uh or or the vice versa and so an effective uh, an efficient team is also very good at trimming the fat or evolving in in the direction that they need to evolve based on given the situation but uh all that said and done i think uh for for me what what stands out in efficient teams and i think they this was this was also a project done by google a research project uh what do they call it uh um uh, uh, no um I, i keep forgetting the name but what they found is that the effective and efficient teams that they had continued to remain effective and efficient even if their goals changed right so uh it's like all right so so you guys are on youtube today well you're on chrome tomorrow etc and and they still continue to be by all their measurements effective or efficient and um and that's saying something right yeah absolutely and and i think uh, the the thing you mentioned there about wanting to be part of the team i think one one uh, thing that is super hard to to measure and to like quantify uh, but that's how a team acts when they're faced with some kind of challenge uh, how how they solve that and uh, th- that's a that that's a moment where you can at least distinguish a, a well functioning uh, efficient and effective team from a not as well functioning functioning team i think because uh, a team that works great uh, when they're faced with a challenge uh, they uh, somewhat uh, excels and and uh, g- get even better uh, which is quite impressive to see i agree and i, I think there is um um you know to 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 build on what you said there uh, rising up to the challenge like the, when when the team rises up to the challenge i think uh, the core uh a pillar there is is the pillar of trust that that you can trust your team members and and you have each other's backs right um yeah 
uh, I, I want to talk on uh, about trust and and safety as well. Like uh, the, um, it, it's a very interesting um, topic because uh, there, there, there's there's some differences there, which I think uh, would be nice to to explore a little bit because uh, I have experienced a lot of teams uh, that that have expressed that they want to feel safe, right? They want to feel safe expressing themselves. They want to they want to feel safe uh, raising their voices or concerns or fears and anxieties, um, but it's it's slightly different when it comes to trust, and and there I think you know it, it also makes a lot of difference um, on how the challenges are overcome because uh, well look at it this way so I was listening to a talk by Simon Sinek the other day um, I don't know probably a, a few months ago but. Essentially, so he was talking about the the Navy SEALs, the the U.S. Navy SEALs, and uh, that's a team that needs a very high degree of trust because their lives are dependent on each other, right? Their their very lives are they rely on each other uh, to to watch their backs and and to to protect themselves, etc. So that's one facet of trust. But if you place that very same Navy SEAL and ask him the question. All right, so so you trust that person with your life, but would you also trust that person with your money and your wife, right? And that's that's where that's where lines are drawn, right? and it's it's remarkable because because that means that um, to to establish uh, trust between people, um, the the ecosystem that 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 you are exposed to plays a plays a big role. And the dimension of trust that you that you grow is uh, is also influenced by it. Um, so so you may not uh, blindly trust uh, someone for everything. Um, and and you know it, the, all these seem quite obvious. Like why would you why would you trust somebody with everything? Like uh, but but it's not that obvious to me, right? Because because trust is an emotion, and it's it's quite quite easy to to. Uh, blanket feel that emotion um, for for many things. So, yeah. But I'm curious. What, what do you what do you th- what do you guys think? Looks like uh, we're coming more to uh, to math now, to multi-factor optimization. <laughs> when uh, we have to take into account many different uh, sides of people, but at the same time. We need to put some weights on those. Like, uh, yeah, I in the in, in the situation when I'm on a bet on a battlefield, yeah, I I put uh, maximum weight on uh, having trust in pushing my life into hands of this person. But uh, when we just uh, having some fun and having some drinks, maybe maybe yeah, we need to think about <laughs> about the, all other stuff. Uh, yeah, I uh, totally agree with that, and uh, this is something that is always a part of uh, work of manager. Complex approach. You can't take just uh, one parameter, one thing, and say that this is something that makes you or your team effective. You always need to take basically everything that you have, <laughs> grab all the inputs, uh, analyze them, and make some uh, weighted uh, decision. Same goes from the 
management uh, overall like it's not only about uh, processes delivery quality it's also people we are working with uh, every individual which uh, has the right to make mistake uh, can have a bad mood today or tomorrow uh, something could just happen that uh, doesn't feel him safe and we are to help people basically to find this uh, safe place also in their office or even virtual office uh, with their team and basically find them this motivation to start every day working with a good mood and the willing to do something good together with the people that are working with me yeah exactly and i i really think uh, you you hit it spot on there with the 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 complexity and the number of different parameters to trying to uh, to, to to balance and to optimize for um, which sometimes uh, takes um, takes you in in strange directions while you for example if you if you were trying to improve something in the team you feel like oh we're we're not as as good as uh, we should be in uh, writing unit tests for example uh, you only have w one one person in the team that's really good at writing unit tests uh, and uh, then you add another one that's that's really great at uh, writing unit tests and then you realize oh now they can cooperate and, and work together on this and you, and you really see that oh now we're much better at writing unit tests um, on the other hand if you had your team from the beginning with this single person uh, this testing hero uh, and he or she decided to leave your company uh, so you had no one that no knew anything about unit tests. Uh, that might also actually make your team better at unit tests, because then everybody feels the shared responsibility that oh now that uh, she left us and she was the one that knew all everything about unit tests. Now we have to step up and now we have to learn. So it's uh, it's uh, a strange equation trying to uh, optimize this. And it's definitely better than the situation when everyone just think, oh, that person left. So it's not my area of responsibility <laughs> to do it. Well, let's just wait for someone else to come and do it. Yeah, and now she left. She, she was the one that always bugged us about uh, writing unit tests. And no, no, now nobody bugs us anymore. So uh, we don't write well, any unit tests and uh, we have lots of uh, issues and bugs instead. Yeah, that would well, be a that's, nightmare. That's, certain, that, that's certainly one way to ensure job co continuity, right? <laughs> the, the bugs that you need to fix. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah, but but no, I, I I agree with you. Like this is this is quite multifaceted, and like I think um, uh, if we if we agree that the uh, establishment of of uh, of faith and and trust in your in your team members is essential like if we work together and i trust you and like we talk and i know that you will listen to me and and you know that i will listen to you and we will be true to ourselves and like we won't screw each other over and we, we don't we won't have uh like you're going to do the things that you said you you would do and i i'm going you can trust me to do the things that i said i would do and that, that's 
I think that that in itself would grow the team towards whatever your definitions are for efficiency and effectiveness, right? So by by any measure, like so, I I think like there's there's multiple multiple ways to get to it, um, but uh, it's it's different from um, from safety, like I mentioned earlier, because you it's very essential to for people to feel safe and and so that they can voice themselves and their concerns and uh, they can express themselves because because what has moved human civilization ahead over the millennia right it's if not communication so um it it's absolutely essential for people to communicate but you know sometimes there's a tendency to uh, uh to manipulate as as human tendency uh, can can tend towards right, and uh, I, I think like when we talk about establishing a safe uh, a safe culture, a safe space, uh, th- there's there's a little wiggle room for people to be manipulative there and say that, uh, hey, I, I I don't feel safe that that da da da, and and what that means is that they want the others around them to to change, right? That's that's one way of um, of uh, communicating that you want others to change by by saying that I don't feel safe when you this this this, um, and that's that's a little bit of a wiggle room there when when we say safe spaces, and I think this is why I I like trust a, a little more than um, safety because it's very hard to control people on the basis of trust. Like, what are you going to say? I want you to be more trustworthy. On so and so, like it, it means that you have been stealing something from me, right? Uh, and it's it's uh, it's it's quite different from um, like it, I, I don't think it, it's quite hard to control people on the basis of trust, and it's not sustainable. Like look at look at uh, hierarchies. Let's say look at a power hierarchy. A power hierarchy is such an unstable hierarchy because as you go on climbing the power hierarchy, you you alienate more and more people because you have to keep stepping on them. And then it's possible to reach at the, at the top, but it won't keep you there for a long time. And and um, uh, I, I have um, read some analogies in in the uh, in the monkey kingdom, like the, the chimpanzees, for example. Uh, I, I don't know if, if they belong to the same genealogy, but um, I, I think they, they have significant gene differences there to to not be clubbed as monkeys. But uh, either way, they they are reliant on the power hierarchy. And if you if you see uh, the chimp at the top, um, <laughs> when they have an off day, they will be ripped apart limb from limb by the other members of of that uh, group, right? And and that's that's a very unstable hierarchy. And 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 the same goes for um control and it's very difficult to feign to fake trust because at at the end of the day um you know just just like you said um um Emmanuel uh, about uh, the unit test you know somebody going away and then everybody else saying oh uh dum 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 and it's uh, it's like we were feigning trust we were we were um Trying to be, uh, trying trying to put on a show of being um, part of the team because we wanted to be a part of the team, 
and we were feigning some trust there by saying that okay we we will write unit test but then as soon as that constraint goes away then all bets are off right so so it's very like this is not a sustainable uh, thing to do like you can't feign trust and this is why i like uh, the foundation of trust to be um, to, to be a good foundation for efficient and effective teams yeah, yeah I think there is a oh sorry no go ahead there is a saying uh, which uh, if we translate it literally to english would be trust but check so it uh, yeah behind it uh, we have a very powerful meaning that uh, it is important to build trust it is important to have it and of course grow it but at the same time don't forget that uh, this can be transformed to something that people can use and manipulate yeah so this is why i prefer more the swedish flat organization with not chimpanzees but uh, like uh, seals lying on the stone everyone on more or less the same level just having some fun together <laughs> and no work gets done yeah. <laughs> because everybody's lying there <laughs> right uh, yeah no definitely yeah no uh, i was just going to say that i think trust is uh, is a really interesting thing as well because it it goes both between individuals of a team but also that you can have trust in the team as a whole so uh and not not uh, to forget you can have trust in your processes and your way of working and uh, and other uh, routines related to your work as well. Uh, like if you have successfully established that, oh, we do unit testing or we do testing because uh, then we reduce the number of uh, bugs that goes into production uh, and you have a trust in that process, uh, then probably it wouldn't matter if, if the uh, testing uh, uh, wizard uh, leaves your team because then everybody would still feel like, oh yeah, but uh, this thing that we rely on and we trust, uh, we have to maintain it in some way. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, and and you know that that is so important to uh, to the culture of of the workplace as well because. Uh, you know, like some some years ago, there was. If you're if you're aware of this platform called 4chan, it's where uh, you know, like people can organize themselves anonymously behind a like they can rally behind a topic or uh, some agenda, and uh, they can take some action, right? And if you observe the 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 groups there on 4chan, the anonymous groups. They're always in flux. They are. They're always in flux. They're, they're like a swarm of bees. Like, come in. They, some bees come in and some bees leave. And like the shape of the swarm keeps changing always. And this is what I think about culture because um, it's not a static thing. It's always evolving and adapting and changing according to the people that that stay or leave. And by by trusting the process. Uh, to to build on what you said there, Emmanuel, about trusting the process. I think if that if that trust of the of the process and uh, and the faith in in the in the outcome uh, can be sustained, then I think uh, the 
the culture of the workplace and, and of the organization becomes so much more resilient and uh, durable. So uh, I, I 100% agree that this is something quite important actually to, to help the organization to transform and evolve into the next stage. Nice. Well, I think that was a, a really good kind of overview of a well, multiple things kind of giving us the what does effective and efficient mean? How do we kind of look at it? Um, and it shows how how deep this conversation is. Um, so, yeah, really, really good question to kick us off. So we'll come over to Sergey. your question about what do we look at when interviewing a person and kind of bring an effective and efficient addition to your team? So a little bit different, but then definitely equally as important. Yeah, here I would say we again will start uh, from the already mentioned team multi-factor analysis. We need to take into account many things. And one of them that we can start from, I can say this is getting the feeling, the answer of, of the person, like on the question about the position overall. Like when we are hiring someone, we often can meet a person that uh, is, inter is interviewed just because he or she heard about something potentially interesting. But uh, in real, it might not be the specific case. For example, it was a very wide definition uh, or general role description from the HR or the person heard about the position from a friend uh, or from uh, someone who who works in some different department in the company. And I think it is uh, beneficial to share the focus of specific team person is interviewed too, and also put the requirements and expectations in the very beginning to make sure that the person is actually still interested in working with this company and this specific team. Uh, I can name an example. For example, can be a job in Oracle, dream of many Java developers. But what if uh, when you enter the company, it appears that you will write an application for managing internal duties or uh, washing the dishes in the office. Is it the same exciting? No, nah, depends. And the person needs to be interested in the company and specific project. And this will motivate the person to go to work every day, learn something new in that area, work with the same people with the same mindset and grow the career here. And uh, yeah, now we again, touching the same thing that was uh, partially discussed, uh, like having a proper mood, uh, having a pro proper tune of yourself uh, when, you want to when you want to work. And then of course, uh, interviews, uh, interview itself, uh, from my perspective, it should be a set of interviews. Um, it's uh, for you to decide whether to have it uh, like one, big uh, multiple hours intensive, like four hours or something, or split it into several smaller and different days. But you need to have interviews uh, with uh, different people hosting the interview. So this can be hiring manager, uh, specialists uh, from the area you are looking for, actually. and the actual team members from specific team that uh, 
you're looking for an addition. Yeah, when I'm talking about hiring manager, I'm, I'm not talking about HR. I'm just uh, uh, trying to be more specific. This should be the person from exec department and exec uh, where the position is open. So uh, with this interview, the person can identify many things, starting from soft skills and in the ability of a person to work in that specific team. And when it comes to specialists, like uh, it's obviously that uh, you need to know not only soft skills, but also hard skills. And uh, we need to come to that uh, point when take several guys, I guess two persons maybe is the optimal number. We don't want to scare the candidate, right? Uh, but uh, yeah, just to have at least a couple of different uh, points uh, to would, would be good to get the no, the feeling of uh, hard skills. And of course, in the end, the meeting the team members, like people need to get inputs uh, from previous interviews, like meet and touch the base with potential candidate. Because the team will, in the end, help to make this decision if we are talking about efficient and effective team. And yeah, and this is why I think that all interview stages are important. And what is your experience, guys, in those? Because there are different uh, opinions regarding that. Like someone says, like, it should be one day enough to identify if the person is okay to go or not. Someone says, like, oh, I like to go for interviews, like, uh, several weeks. It's so funny to make a lot of uh, side assignments, but no one will pay for them, and so on and so on. So what, what are your feelings about that? What is the ideal picture of uh, making it uh, uh, to the result. I, I think that uh, I totally agree and really like your idea on splitting interviews into several interviews actually and, and different stages of it because uh, like, like you said it's completely different uh, skills that are needed uh, in different stages of the of the recruitment process and and when interviewing, uh, and not the least, it's um, by having it split into different sessions, it also makes it easier for the candidates to um, to have the correct mindset and the correct focus for for this session and for that other session, because it it will be completely different things that you're going to talk about. Uh, you're going to uh, in, in one of these sessions, talk about how you handle conflicts within the team. And in uh, in another one, you will talk about how you handle conflicts in your version control system. And that's uh, two <laughs> very different things. Yeah, um, I, I, I think uh, one bad experience that I had uh, when interviewing with a large organization was that they they packed a lot of people from different departments. I think there were five of them, if I remember correctly, from uh, various departments talking with me in a span of half an hour on the same call. And this was the, the final stage of the interview, right? Um, there were not many stages before that, which meant, which, which meant, meant that, you know, uh, the whole process was was super short and the conversations were super short for each interval. Um, there was very limited interactions that I could I could do with, with each individual representing each arm of the of the of the company. Like so you would 
when you speak to an executive of a company, they are the face of the company too. Like they, they are, they are your interface to the company. And when, when I mean company, well, I don't mean the legal entity company, but I mean the group of individuals that come together and form uh, a group, right? And uh, to, to, to achieve a common goal. So, so everybody has different perspectives on how they operate and what's important to the company and uh, what needs to be done, et cetera, to succeed and so on and so forth. And you need to do your best to extract all of that wisdom out from them in their in, in your conversations with them. And the more time you can spend with them, um, you know, vetting each other, uh, it's not just the company. It's, it's, it's a common uh, saying nowadays uh, that, you know, it's not just the, the, the company that interviews you, but it's also you that interviews the company uh, during this process. But uh, a lot of interview processes that I've seen leave just the last 10 minutes for questions, let's say, as, you know, as a sympathy uh, to, to the candidate. Um, and I think that's, uh, well, you, you, if you need some time to, to wet the candidate, take your time, but like be respectful enough to, to give the candidate their time to, to wet you as well. Right? Um, it, it has to be a two-way street. And so, um, so, so that was, that was a weird experience for me. Um, and it told me a lot about, uh, their culture, um, uh, in that, in that short amount of time. Um, but you know, uh, all that said and done, I think, uh, some of the things that I, I look for when, uh, when I speak to someone, uh, it, it's actually a bunch of things. And I was trying to think about these these things when when I uh, read your question. Um, so one of the things that I uh, uh, I look for is uh, is a curiosity and a willingness to learn. So uh, you know, just like you said earlier, uh, that not everybody needs all the things uh, in the process. So for example, a, a senior architect might not need um, low level solve a linked list problem, right? um and and so on and so forth but so so there there you can say that well if you have general curiosity on on learning new things and you you have a willingness to learn new things then i can teach you anything right so um so so there you can say that uh that's a good signal for for someone to uh to uh, for, for you to know that that person can maybe add value uh, by their growth and because they you know uh, because they might not fully fit the profile that you are hiring for maybe there's like a um, uh, maybe 30 percent 20 percent gap uh, say they, they 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 haven't worked with the technology that you are hiring for um, and, and there you might say well uh, I'm okay with them not knowing the technology because that means that they they have room to grow they have uh, something to look forward from 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 that job, um, and and that means that there is a good possibility that they will be motivated because that provides them learning uh, and and a, a feeling of growth, right? So so that's that's one way to look at it. Of course, there's your 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 mileage may differ and your context may be different. Like you you, you might really need technically competent experts there and then you, you then you might say well there's no room for compromise and i really need somebody who knows what they are doing um 
so so that's that's one thing like the willingness to learn um and and it ties back to what i said earlier about uh discovering new ways and tools and processes to do things smarter uh so uh one of the other things that i i look for is uh is ownership like so um by ownership i mean well literally what it means is 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 that you own something like you you actually possess something and because you possess something of value you will do what you can or what you what is possible to ensure that that value is sustained or even grown right um and and what that means is then you you might take initiatives on your own without waiting for others to act uh you might uh care a lot about the outcome of decisions uh, as much as maybe the owner of the company right um and and that that says a lot about uh, uh being driven so Uh, so for example uh, a good indicator of this in in maybe our industry is uh, is people that uh, uh, publish software packages on on say good github or uh, these other uh, code websites code uh, hosting websites um, and it's it's not just that but like if you if you really look at them you'll find that they have been maintaining and sustaining that uh for a long time in, including like feature sets and uh yeah so so all all of these other things that like they really move the needle for that project right by themselves and that that's what it means to be uh, uh to have ownership right? um some something else that i is, is tied closely with ownership um which i i try to look look for uh in my conversations is also accountability right so uh by that i mean uh that you take responsibility for your actions and your decisions yeah, you 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 have the uh the maturity to admit when you're wrong and to apologize and to uh build the way forward together with everybody right so uh and and this ties back to the culture of trust and co- cooperation and um and so 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 that's a uh, so a good question to ask there would be uh when was the last time you made a mistake and and what did you learn from it and what did you do about it right um that that's well it it goes both it's a subtle it's a subtle flag it's not it's not a hard uh indicator but it does tell you uh, a lot about that individual and it's really a chance to to out, uh, to to stand out uh when you answer that question and you answer it convincingly enough um that sets you apart from from everybody else already um something else that i look look out for uh let me see what i've written down this morning is uh um is a culture fit okay so it's i dislike the term culture fit because it means that you're trying to shoehorn something into something else and that is that 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 something is quite static and that's why you've got to fit something in it um it it's well it, of course different contexts again different situations but to me it, it seems like um in line with what i believe culture is uh i think it's better to call it culture ad than culture fit uh because what you really want to do with your culture 
uh, is you, you wanted to, just like the organization, you wanted to adapt and evolve and transform and improve. And when you say uh, fit, what you're essentially conveying there is that, well, it's sort of like static and then uh, you want to, you want to hire more people that fit into this. And that means that you're probably going to do an injustice to them because you're not going to allow them to evolve their culture uh, because they need to fit and belong to this culture. Um, and I think that, of course, you ha- you've got to be careful about how you evolve your culture. And there's, there's a bunch of things that you need to look out for there as well. But, but I think um, what you could do there is to ask them about their ethics and principles that, that matter to them. Uh, because then you discover a value hierarchy that they, uh, that they adhere to. And, and, and you might just uh, discover that the value hierarchy that they believe in is in stark contrast to your own. And then that might indicate that they're probably not uh, the one that you're looking for. Um, and so, yeah, so ethics and principles matter a lot and people need to really know themselves themselves more than, more than anybody else to, to answer this question. And, and that would then help them to even stay and belong to the company over the long term because they know what is really uh, a closed fist um, ethic for them and what's, what's uh, something that can be compromised um, in, in, their, in their worldview. So oh, nice. can I just jump in there could just because we're quite close to time and I don't want to keep people yeah. too long. Um, let's just squeeze in the last question because I appreciate Manuel. This was this was yours to to kind of touch on. Um, so just some thoughts on kind of the documentation and kind of written te- technical documentation and the onboarding sessions. But yeah, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as you add people to to your team uh you want to basically what you want to do is to get them up to speed and have them being productive and contribute to the team as quick as possible uh i mean that's uh, and and uh, for everybody in the team to feel like oh they've been here forever now uh, now we're the team um and that's uh the, the, there's a whole bunch of different aspects going into that, like we've talked about here, um, with the the different stuff to optimize for. But uh, one of them, uh, which relates to more of the like hard skills, uh, I would say, um, comes to how to know how to do things. Like, for example, how to get the development uh, environment up and running, and how to give yourself the preconditions to actually be productive. Um, and that that's a case where I've, um, as many probably has, um, realized that uh, written technical documentation can sometimes be a blessing or a curse because uh, it uh, you tend to document things and then you tend to change things and then your documentation is uh, out of sync um, but also you don't want to give the the new hire like a reading list of uh, here's uh, 2000 pages of uh, wiki entries uh, read all those uh, until next week and uh, talk to you then 
uh, and they will spend their first week on the job just reading documentation. So you have to balance it against uh, against uh, personal onboarding sessions and getting them into the team and getting them doing the things they are supposed to do uh, as members of the team. Is this uh, something that uh, you guys have faced uh, trying to find that balance between? Well, uh, I prefer mostly to try to uh, give a hand to a person and uh, try to walk him or her through uh, all of this. Because, yeah, there is uh, one side of the medal which is uh, working really nice in McDonald's with their Bible. With yeah, how many pages do they have? I don't know, but I heard that there's, that's like a huge book that you have to read. Uh, I know that there are many engineers that are actually lazy in uh, reading all those multi-pagers, and so uh, you have to, yeah make some kind of a cocktail of uh, something to read, something to tell about, something to show, maybe watch some video, a uh, bunch of stuff. And uh, it's like basically showing the movie for kids, uh, keeping the person <laughs> focused and making it still fun. I'm also one of those uh, people that uh, can easily get uh, bored uh, when you have tons of uh, documentation. Of course, it can be important, and uh, not always you can have a clown next to you uh, jungling with uh, some balls and uh, making it more fun. Time to time is really tough stuff to get to the root cause uh, with the, this documentation. But my own perception is that uh, it is always better to uh, uh, to mix it together with uh, different uh, types of um, other sessions. Are you muted? Yeah, I think you're still on mute there. All right. Yeah. Um, I hope I'm back. Um, right. So in my experience, it's been, uh, it's not been as much of a problem with the technical stuff uh, uh, when it comes to software itself, but more about the domain in which they operate. And uh, more often than not, I've seen teams struggling with uh, documentation about the domain or knowledge about knowledge and wisdom on how to operate within the domain, right? Because uh, they have been, well, either either trained or not trained, uh, they have been trained with their technical skills. Let's say they, they have a, a bachelor's degree in, in computer science, for example, but they don't know uh, how, how does uh, a financial system work uh, and operate in in like uh, the entities that it has to uh, touch and the legalities that they have to work with, uh, say for example GDPR, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There's, there's a whole bunch of things there, uh, and the the whole domain is something that should be included as part of uh, onboarding. And uh, in in my experience, the uh, the the people that join, uh, like the, the new joinees, they're they're very good at finding their own way uh, in say uh, something technical like the code base, but they're they're really helpless when it comes to the domain knowledge, right? And and there there you you might need uh, uh, subject matter experts to to coach them and and to train them and to have documentation 
uh, technical or not, uh, as part of their, um, um, yeah, onboarding. If you if you if you want to include it there, um, so I I think there is of course a balance to to have. Um, you you can't reinvent the wheel with your with your documentation, but also like you can't leave them out into the battlefield with a gun and and say, well, shoot your go find your enemies and shoot them. Right. So you, you need to have a balance somewhere. And there I think it is very uh, dependent on the team dynamics and the, the, the people that you are actually bringing in. Because um, and this is also part of the discovery process in in the in the hiring process. Because uh, you need to know if the person is finds joy in in discovering these things for themselves or not or if if they would want to have these things written down in order to do their job like you need to empower them with the tools that they need to succeed at their job and you it is it is your responsibility to find out exactly what it is that helps them to do their job so so there you might find that different people need different things and uh, the yeah, the, the the culture and the process and the and the discovery uh, makes a lot of uh, or gives a lot of inputs uh, to to what needs to be set in there and what what can be excluded. Yeah, one I I th I think uh, we're pretty much on the same page, all three of us, because one of the best ways that I've uh, experienced when when onboarding new people is. Uh, uh, actually, how how we do it currently, uh, which is uh, was established by a colleague of mine uh, named Sarah. Sh so shout out to Sarah for coming up with this idea. Uh, but it's uh, like when we start off the the first day of onboarding a new hire, uh, the most important thing that we make sure to write down is uh, like uh, a list, like a contact list of some people that you should. Uh, turn to if you need assistance with certain stuff, uh, but also a list of uh, people that you're um, supposed to book some one-on-one -on -one meetings with. Uh, and that can be people throughout the company, um, not as much in your team perhaps, but, uh, but in other departments and, and other roles, uh, just to um, as quickly as possible get into this uh, domain knowledge uh, that, that you uh, mentioned there, Katja. Because um, I think it, that's a, a real challenge, uh, and and also something that might be quite hard sometimes to to document in a in a efficient way. I think that's a really good idea. I, I you know I've never heard any any company doing that, but I think that's like, it seems so logical and seems why is everybody not doing that? <laughs> um, but no, that's brilliant. I think we've definitely touched on um, a couple of things within the whole area of effectiveness and efficientness of teams and it shows that there's we've only just really scratched the surface so I want to take this opportunity to thank all three of you for joining us on on this conversation um, some really really good piece of advice within within there as well and obviously thank you to the listeners for listening hopefully they'll take something away which um, you've all provided so thank you